Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they're doing. You may be asking yourself why. Why is Collisions YYC partnering with IJM? Well, because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest of you, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing I should be worrying about? For me, up to six months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. And then it gave me hope. It is the support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. This is not a conversation that we want to have. It's a conversation that we must have. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. This is a fight we all need to take on, and we need to take it on today. Hello and a warm collisions. YYC, welcome to Mr. Larry Young. How are you, Larry? Hey, I'm great, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my absolute pleasure. You and I got connected, oh, I don't even remember, through somebody and something. It's Alberta, man. It's all one degree of separation. But you're the founder and CEO at Total Containment. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm reading right off your LinkedIn profile right now. And you're the creator at, of the EnviroLock Pipeline Secondary Containment System. But more importantly, we're here to talk about innovation in the pipelines industry today. And let's start off by, we're just jumping in an elevator. Give us a little pitch. We got 30 floors. What's Total Containment all about? We'll go from there. Uh, man, I tell you, pipelines in Alberta, I mean, oil and gas in Alberta is, uh, you know, it's a hot topic for a lot of people. Um, it's given us, you know, the independence that we that we enjoy. It's given us a lot of financial benefits and the Alberta benefit um, it really, what's been happening over the last 10 years, um, there's different views on when it comes to climate change and the impact that uh, our industry has. And, uh, about six years ago, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call it an epiphany. Certainly it's, it's very obvious. Uh, but I felt like there was something needed to be done to remove the impact of pipelines on the environment. If we're going to be able to continue to build pipelines. And my view is that we're going to need pipelines for for many decades to come, uh, not just for oil and gas, but for now for hydrogen, which is coming right out of the right out of nowhere, and mining. I mean, mining as we get into renewables and the need for new uh, renewable sources of energy, uh, we're going to have to mine a lot more. And there's uh, very specific applications for a system in the mining world as well. And uh, I just felt like there was something need something needed to be done to mitigate the impact pipelines can have on the environment in order to let us, in order to allow us to continue to grow. And just so, so I know, and to, to loop the audience in, you and I were chatting a little bit. You've, you are not from Alberta. You're technically, I want to say not from the oil and you didn't grow up in the oil and gas in the, in, in the patch, as they like to say. No, no, <laughs> you, that's, you, that's you're, you're, you're an import from Eastern Canada, from New Brunswick. <laughs> yeah. I don't like know. Many uh, of us here, we're all from somewhere else. Larry. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's, uh, it's looked at differently from different people, for sure. I mean, because I'm not a native Albertan, I feel like I'm a native Albertan. My family is here. My future is here. Uh, and I've completely adopted the whole Alberta, you know, and oil and gas is a very important aspect of being Albertan, regardless of where you come from. If you make a home here, oil and gas is part of your life. Uh, coming from New Brunswick, um, my friends, my family, you know, they all come to Alberta, the, the, the land of opportunity in Canada when it comes to finding decent work. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's an, always an option. It was always something that was, that was very, just a step away from happening. Uh, and back in 20, 2012, I made a decision to come out here and get into oil and gas and, uh, get into coatings, secondary containment, uh, that kind of thing, which put me in line with the type of work that I do now with the, uh, the containment system and polyurea and coatings and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was through that, the first four years of, of working out here that uh, gave me the knowledge and the experience to build this system. And for you, five years ago, jumping from coming out here to work and kind of quote on have a job and making that pivot into being like, I do, you know, I grew up out east, I grew up in Quebec and I like, I do love the entrepreneurial and the opportunity nature. So like, was that on your agenda? And like, well, I want to get into back into pipelines and kind of what you built right. and, and why, but it's always a big step. And there's a lot of people listening, like, well, you went from doing the thing to then starting a business to do something completely different. That's not, <coughs> it's, it's easy to flip over that. You know what I mean? But that is yeah, not an easy for transition sure. for anybody because no. risk and family and money and it's yeah. all very real. Mm -hmm. it's it's 
<clears throat> it's it's scary to be honest. It's <laughs> Just call a spade a spade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is, and it's a big risk. I mean, you're investing your future, your family's future. Everything is on the line when it comes to becoming an entrepreneur, especially if you don't have a you know massive financial background and and you know dozens and dozens of years experience in that industry. So it's been a big learning curve for me as well. When I first started out, uh, we did all our testing in the beginning at Seifert Technologies here in Edmonton. Okay. Top notch facility. Like these guys are, they just you can't get you can't go anywhere else in North America and get that level of expertise. The people over at Cefer in the beginning, they, you know, they didn't want to. They didn't even really want to test our system, um, and that was, you know, that was a big, a big kick in the teeth for me because I was, I was very confident that what we created was up to the task. But something like this had never been done before, and that's, you know, that's another curve that you have to overcome. Uh, the oil patches. I mean, it's, it's tried, tested, and true solutions to problems. And whenever you bring something new to this particular industry, uh, the hurdles are massive. Uh, you know, the old boys club, uh, we do it this way and this is the way we're always going to do it. Uh, well, that choice is being taken away from us and we have to innovate. And, in, and oil and gas is about innovation. I mean, look at the pump jacks of all they, the structures, the same uh, recovery, SAG D, the innovations that have happened over the last 20 years in this industry are just incredible. And that's exactly what this system, that's what this system is. And whenever you step out and go from being an employee to an employer, <laughs> it's, it's, you, a lot of sleepless nights, <clears throat> a lot of learning, and a lot of fear. But you have to have the confidence that you're up to the task. If you feel that you're not, you know, you're not willing to take the nose and the rejection in the beginning, uh, that you, I suggest you just you really, really reevaluate what your choices are, because you're going to get a lot of that. The initial response that you get from people is is typically, well, if this isn't how we've done things, then we're not, you know, we're not willing to look at anything else, or we're not, you know, we're not going to change how we do things. We we know what our uh, our margins are. We know what the solutions are that we have now to this problem, uh, but you have to have that resiliency and you have to have thick skin. And I, I just happen to have both. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's curious, uh, Larry, from your perspective over the last five years. And you know, again, I appreciate you came from the outside the industry for an industry right. that has a history of being incredibly tech technologically innovative, but yet right. I talked to multiple people that, well, we're really slow to change. We're still low to adapt new things, but yet we have this interesting history of like, the only reason we exist today is because of the innovations yeah. we've done over the last 20 years. Has the last five years accelerated? Like, is there a little more openness oh, to it? Geez. Like, have we, yeah. speaking of industries getting kicked in the teeth? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I mean, oil and gas gets kicked in the teeth daily. There's no, you know, there's no getting around that, but the need, the necessity for oil and gas is always the, the, the wall that those, hmm. uh, that those ideas come up against. And there, we just cannot, there is no flipping a switch and going from, you know, oil and gas and the way we do things now, fossil fuels to renewable. And we, we don't have to get into that whole thing. I'll probably, um, probably wouldn't end up a very great, con a very good conversation <laughs> in any case. No, we'll try and stay but, in our lane. We'll try and stay in the, yeah, exactly. Let's sure. try and stay in our lane. But you know, the industry realizes too, that it has to change and they look the digital the digital innovations that have come out, like fiber optics, inline um, inspection tools, pigging, things like that, that's what's made the change. And, and you know, the, the industry is willing to adapt if, the, if you're able to show them that the need is there, uh, that the cost isn't, you know, insurmountable, and that there's a benefit to both sides of the coin. It can't just be about a benefit to the environment. There has to be a benefit to the producers, to the operating side as well. And that's, you know, that's, when, you can, when you can make that a value proposition where both sides of the coin benefit, it's a much easier transition. It's a much easier thing to convince people to use a product like this. And that's the, you know, we've got, this year has been a big year for us. We get two new team members come on, um, Jim Walsh and Dan Balot. They're they're very they're thirty between the two of them. Get sixty years experience in oil and gas on both sides of the coin, and that experience uh, and the belief in the product really has has kicked it up a notch for us. And I and I and I don't know we would be where we are now with. I mean, last week we just signed an LOI for a pilot, and that's you know that's fantastic for us. Uh, and when that pilot gets done. Uh, then people will understand better how the system works. But this thing has been fully vetted. It's 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 ready to go, and the need for an environmental solution to to pipelines. I mean that that can't be argued anymore. We're looking at BC right now, uh, the floods and the and the landslides, and how many pipes have been uncovered. They're still working on the Trans Mountain, the coastal gas, and the protests, and all those things are you know. There's nothing we can do from my end to the end user 
when it comes to emissions and things like that. And we can get into that if you like. Um, but when it comes to the impact that pipelines directly can have on the environment, we have the solution for that. Our system completely isolates the pipe from the environment so that they can't impact each other. And one of the biggest issues when it comes to pipelines is corrosion, it's external corrosion. It's the environment having an impact on the pipe, not just the pipe having an impact on the environment. And our system changes that dynamic. It's no longer about a, a symbiote kind of a, a relationship. They're isolated from each other so that they can't impact each other. Because if you really want to, we'll go. Let's 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 dive down the weeds. Let's put on our nerd hats here for a minute. Sure. And get it and get into it. So really, I liked what you said about the reality. Okay, we've got these pipelines. We all understand the basic concept. And if they, unless you work in the industry, you really don't know. You, you hear the news, and you get we all get misled by right. sound bites and you know and the, the little snippets of this and that. The villain, the pipeline is such an easy villain right now. But it's also the backbone of like you said, the opportunity it's provided. But I love what you said about really understanding that impact of the pipeline on the environment, but also the impact of the environment on the pipeline. Yeah. And it's that symbiotic relationship when out of whack, because you've got yeah. pipelines that are above ground, below ground, underwater ways, right. through waterways. So talk about your system in terms of like, what is the nuts and bolts of, of like, how does, how does it actually work? And, and ultimately the problem that you solve with it. Ah, uh, see, I know this now we could talk for days on this. I never shut up. So put your hand <laughs> right, up. Okay, when right, I, uh, I will. All yeah. Right, we we'll start running out of time. <laughs> so what our system does, and we have two systems right now. The first one's already received patent approval uh, in the US and we're going to take advantage of what's called a uh, patent highway. And we have this filed in seven other countries across the globe because pipelines are an important aspect across the globe. Of infrastructure so, every, everywhere. Exactly, mm -hmm. everywhere. And it's not just oil and gas. It's water mains, it's uh, municipal applications, mining, uh, you name it, subsea pipelines. We have an application for I, that I as well. I appreciate it because so. you hear pipelines, you immediately, I think, get associated. Uh, absolutely. Canada, there's a media like, oh, pipelines mean oil and gas. But look <laughs> at our streets. Look at our old infrastructures of yeah. our cities and our towns that with, that had their water, their waterworks put in 50 years ago. Those They're starting to fail now. Mm. And more. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. that's the, yeah, 50 you know, they started. was a young city back. I that's grew up in Montreal city. where there's always a water main busted oh, on geez. some corner of downtown. Every spring, every <laughs> spring it happens. And water, <clears throat> sorry, as we're talking about uh, water mains, I mean, water as a resource has become, you know, precious. I mean, there's the, we're losing water on the planet and our system is able to collect that water. Now on a water main, where that water would normally be lost to the environment, flood businesses, create cavities in, uh, in roads, uh, all, the, all those issues. What our system does is changes that dynamic as well because it, when a leak happens, now to explain how our system works, is um, on a new pipeline, we'll start with that. On a new pipeline, our system, is, it, basically it's a polyurea liner and polyurea, and that's the key to this system. There's no getting past that. Polyurea is what's sprayed in the back of a truck bed. Okay. okay? That's that material that, that, that protects the metal on your truck from the environment, from erosions, all that stuff, from corrosion, uh, snow, rain, all that stuff. That same material is sprayed onto a geotextile fabric. So it just, just the geotextile is a substrate, basically. Okay. And it's spray it's, polyurea it's, it gives on. You, it gives you a backing, essentially, to spray this thing Exactly. On. Okay. And when we want to get into, now, ultra-high pressures, and we can get into all this stuff, uh, ultra-high pressures, you get into 2,000, 3,000 PSI on a, on a, on a pipe, and a leak springs in that from, you know, be it bacteria, microbes, whatever, however a leak forms, a bad weld, things like that. The pressure coming out of that pipe is substantial and it can blat, it can cut your fingers off. It's, it's that kind of, that kind of pressure. And our system, polyurea, if on a, on an ultra high pipeline, just as an example, uh, we could spray polyurea to carbon fiber mm -hmm. and make a completely impenetrable Oh, interesting. So incubator. You can, so whatever backdrop, whatever like whatever That's the it. canvas is to use, exactly. I, can, I can put it on. Oh, okay, interesting. Absolutely, so it gives you a lot so of flexibility. But when you bring the two together, that then is a force multiplier of like, or, exactly. or it's the right balance of the two materials right. for the right situation. If you don't have a three thousand exactly. psi pipeline and you've got a two hundred psi situation, you don't need you don't need carbon, carbon fiber, fiber, which keeps your cost exactly, okay. exactly, which reduces the cost. And carbon fiber is starting to become a big thing, and I pay very close attention to that as well. So there's not any one specific system for any type of pipeline. So if you have a, a low pressure pipeline, like a small gas line going to your home, that, that's under 200 PSI. It's, it's under, sorry, under 10 PSI to your home distribution lines. All I mean, it's, there's dozens of types of, of, of pipelines under your feet right now. And our system is, is manufactured specifically for the environment that is that particular pipeline 
will operate in. Okay. Now, if it's a if it's a water, you know, you got to worry about water and runoff, floods, all things like that. Then we have a polyurea that's that's able to withstand that for a longer period of time. Super high tensile strength, able to resist chemicals, high extreme temperatures. We can even pull our system along under a river attached to a pipe already installed on the pipe and pull the thing under like, like, there's, like, there's just, like putting on a jacket, <laughs> like exactly like putting on a jacket, pulling, but a jacket pulling, pulling, that pulling is a hoodie, pulling a hoodie, hoodie over your head. Well, it's essentially what it is. And it completely encompasses the pipeline inside this, this protective environment. And we're creating an environment around the pipe that is, that, it, that protects the pipe and separates it from so the So you can install so, this post-insulation. This is a pipeline that's been yes. in place for years. Yep. There's maybe some concerns. It's getting older. So rather than rebuild the pipe or shut it down or take it out of the ground or, un, or, or remove it from where it is, you can then install this as a safety measure over top of it. Absolutely. And oh, we're going to extend okay. that that life. I mean, it has to be excavated. There's no way to get around that. Yeah, you still you have, have to have access to the at, pipe. You got to get at the pipe. Exactly. We have, there's no, we haven't been able to create a, a, a some kind of a mechanism to drill around a pipe and pull our sheath over it, it. It, it's not possible. So it has to be excavated. And on, you know, a pipe that's been in the ground for 50 years is starting to corrode. The, the coating isn't working and doing what it's doing, what it's supposed to do anymore, but the pipe still has a good foundation, good thick wall. Our system can prolong the life of that system because it would isolate from the uh, corrosive back, nature back of, to the, the, of the soil, the environment attacking the pipe. If you will. exactly. And okay. that's, that's what attacks a pipe. It's, you know, the number one cause of leaks in North America, there's two things. There's strikes, errant strikes from, uh, excavation, third-party yep. strikes, they call Accidental it. Accidental digs, yeah. Accidental digs, not not using the, the 811 number, call, the 611 number. Call before you number. dig, before you dig. exactly. Times, yeah. Everybody's seen that. And people still do that, and they still <laughs> dig where they shouldn't dig, <laughs> and they hit pipelines. So our system, EnviroLock 1, uh, is able to protect that pipe from that strike because our system, EnviroLock 1, isn't attached to the pipe. It's in the trench, but it includes backfill. So let me go through and it. Sorry, see, this is what I talk about when I get around. I get talking about this and 800 <laughs> things going at the same time. So they dig a trench. Our liner goes in the trench and takes the shape of the trench. Then they put backfill down inside the containment system. And in that backfill, we have leak detection. Then the pipe goes put down on top of that bedding, it's called. And then more backfill is put around the pipe. So about a foot and a half of backfill surrounds the okay. pipe. So there's there's basically you've got this insulating layer in between or layer of like cushion well, absorption, but you said yeah. sen- sensors and monitoring. Interesting. Exactly. And and we can take that to a whole different level of insulation and protecting the pipe from freezing. I mean, there's so many things we've created and it, its own little environment around the pipe hmm. that isn't impacted by outside influence. And that's, you know, that's the game changer when it comes to pipelines specifically. Okay. So once the, the backfill is put around the pipe, cathodic protection is put on top to make it easy to access and cathodic protection, um, to explain that in a, in a quick way for people who don't understand it or don't know what it is, cathodic protection is a sacrificial, we'll call it, it's called a sacrificial anode basically. So instead of the pipe corroding this little, yeah, I this other, a, I have a collecting, yeah. I have, I, I heat my house with solar and there's a, there's okay. a, there's so you a, understand it. Yeah. There's a glycogen mixture, but there's a big storage tank in the basement where this, the heat accumulates in water and my sacrificial yes. anode had been destroyed over the years. That's it, and exactly. I didn't realize that it started actually eating a, into the wall of my tank. So I had That's to put right. a liner in and do this whole thing. It was a big kerfuffle, exactly. but I learned all about sacrificial anodes and, <laughs> and I look in and, and that's it's just the, the wire because it actually had been fully eaten by, by well, exactly. And that takes yeah. the corrosion that, that, you know, your solar panels would typically take would be transferred to this sacrificial yeah, anode. It's your, your first line of defense versus exactly. eating through your containment device. Mm. That's right. So okay. that's essentially, that's in, that's inside the system as well. Okay. Now, because the system isn't filled with water, there is no water inside that, that annulus that our system creates. So cathodic protection is there uh, for one, in case someone does strike it and uh, they don't report it or whatever, but we have an answer for that as and well. Then it starts, detection and then fluid system. starts penetrating into the water gets in there. Absolutely. That's yeah. something that we've had to deal with because uh, potentially that can happen. But our leak detection systems that we use pick up that activity. They can detect when someone's digging near a pipe um, who shouldn't be or if the system is compromised okay. and water gets That's in. We can detect that. So this detect is, anything is getting, getting in. into the world of IoT where you've got sensors now that are communicating in real time. Absolutely. And the world of IoT is opening up so many doors. And we're, we're trying to work with uh, Alberta IoT now. And it looks like it's potentially possible that we can monitor 
what pipe wall thickness from the trench and flow measurements from that's going on inside the pipe from outside the trench. So there's, there's a whole lot of avenues that are opening up. Um, but when you create an environment around a pipe that is free from interference from outside interference, there's all kinds of things you can do in there. You completely control the environment that that pipeline is operating in. And I try to stress that as much as possible because that's the biggest key. Um, and so once the system, anyway, once the system is done, the sides are folded over. Uh, and if you want to go to, uh, our website, we have a video of that whole thing. We have an animated video showing the install. Uh, but the, once the system total, is total is, containment.ca case anybody, that, that's is, it. Is, is, yeah. yeah we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for that. This is the world of audio. And like, I got a yeah. screen in front of me, but most times when we're listening to podcasts, we don't have a screen in front of us. Yeah. That's the thing. Somebody has in the truck. Containment. We'll put a link in there for sure. So mm-hmm. awesome. Right on. So once the system is, is, is got the backfill in the pipe, cathodic protection, leak detection, and there's a number of leak detection options we have, uh, the side are folded over and it's a spray. Now, polyurea is a spray applied coating product, and it's been used in the industry for 30 plus years for secondary containment. They spray the inside of rail cars with this material. They use it for tank farms to protect in case a leak happens in a tank and it leaks out all the oil. Our polyurea has some incredible defensive mechanisms when it comes to chemical breakdown. So it's not going to break down in hydrocarbons, oil, gas, diesel, things like that. It's not going to break down and degrade very quickly. It will over an extended period of time, but not a lot. Once we detect it, the operators goes in and they clean it up and, you know, yep. it doesn't you, lose you, any you've, of its you've integrity. You've got time. It's exactly what it There's is. There's lots it's, of time. It's, it's your insurance policy to cover That's your- right. It's exactly what it is. And I, oddly enough, well, we don't need to get it insured. But yes, it's an, it's an insurance policy. So once the system is closed around the pipe and the pipe is secured, they put the, the remaining of the topsoil, which is a cover on top of the pipe. Uh, and that's, that's, that's essentially it. The containment system has leak detection that uh, we have ports that come out of the containment system that allow access for uh, implied cathodic protection. Uh, all that stuff is, uh, is available. We have specific valves. They're patent uh, trademark issues or so trade what, secrets. But the short story is once this thing's sealed up, you can still get access it's to done. it. You can monitor it. Yeah. Curious, like, am I doing this over the full length of my, because pipelines, these go for no. hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah, like, this yeah. Is, no, know. we're not. Yeah, it's not meant for an entire pipe. I mean, certainly okay. it could. These are for but high, it's not high meant. risk areas. That's uh, right. Water uh, going through. Yeah, anywhere there's, a, exactly. there's an increased, uh, increased risk factor. That's right. If there's a, uh, an extended, you know, a big risk of, you know, getting into a river or a water supply or near homes, yep. things like that, that's where you want to, or environmentally sensitive areas and in indigenous uh, sacred land, things like that. That's where this stuff is. That's where the system is made for. It's, and it's very effective in those areas. The cost would be huge if we put it on an entire pipeline. I mean, okay. we're all for it. Someone wants to do it. Yes, we're all, we're, but, we're down. We can the, make at it. The, at this current point, you're identifying your highest risk area. High consequence it, Yeah, it, high consequence. Is it also like where there's joints or where there's a split? Where yeah. There's, there's more welds. There's, there's more variables Absolutely. going on. That's right. And that's one like of that. the, yeah, that's one of the big issues. Sometimes uh, producers and pipeline construction crews, they put various types of pipe material together. And it's not a uniform all the way across. And that's inherently a risky area and bends in pipelines, things like that. And slopes, you know, water, uh, landslides and, and things like that can happen. Well, cause we've got um, new, new pipelines getting joined into old pipelines. Like that's you, right. So you're dealing and that's a risky anyone spot. Who's done a reno. We all know that. Like you start, <laughs> yeah. you start changing yeah. the tile. Next thing you're renovating the kitchen. You're like, how did that happen? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're tearing up one section. Con- yeah. It's all connected together. That's mm-hmm. right. And it's important to, to, to have conformity along a pipeline and for longevity. And, you know, the, the, our system is able to, to help mitigate those fears and those risks. And we're talking, you know, we have a, we have a, our partners and we have a lot of people interested in the system. Um, Africa, Brazil, there's just a crazy amount of interest over in those countries, but for different reasons, the containment and the capture aspect, and this is good for oil or gas pipelines. It makes no difference what's in the pipe. I mean, even hydrogen, we're looking at hydrogen pipelines now. Um, but one of the big areas in a country like Africa, and I guess here, here I go off on a little tangent again, um, it, places like Africa, they have a serious issue when it comes to illegal tapping. Mm. Uh, and you, that's people you and I tapping touched on in. this, I think, and there's been yeah. stories, we've all seen the videos where there's literally like an epicenter and it's just a dark, like you can see the explosion, yeah. you can see the blast radius where people Absolutely. are tapping gasoline off a pipeline or whatever the case may be. Yeah, like, Mexico, like, two years ago. Yeah, that's like the one, hundreds that's of the one people I'm, that's died. What I'm thinking of. There's literally line up people with their buckets to get gas. <laughs> that's it, to get, the, and they're taking gas and oil out of a pipeline and, and then they're taking it and selling it. And it's a multi billion dollar issue in those countries. And that's something and that's a huge risk environmentally, huge risk. Life. Like it's, there's nothing good about that story no i mean and when you pump a hole you're hitting it with a hammer you know these guys are hitting things with a hammer and they're leaving it once they're gone 
<clears throat> that leak just continues to go because in Africa, they don't have leak detection yeah. <clears throat> on the vast, <clears throat> the vast majority of their pipes. So there's a lot of interest in our system, especially because Africa is um, one of those developing countries. And it's something that's, that's kind of near and dear to me because they're, they, they should have the ability to develop their resources and help bring them out of energy poverty. There's a billion people that don't have access to reliable energy and fossil fuels is the way to do that. And I'm not dumping on renewables. There's a place for renewables in this world uh, and it's going to continue to grow. But, you know, as an example, last year, there was a solar array, massive solar array that was built in the U.S. Cost over a billion dollars to make. And by the time it was completed, it was out of date. I've heard so, those stories about you know, solar. You can't, you can't expect a developing country to, you know, take on that level of risk, you know, and, and once the technology has been developed fully and it's able to capture and store that energy, then fantastic. But I mean, it's, you know, energy, energy countries who are, who are, who don't have access to cheap fossil fuels or cheap forms of energy, their, their people suffer. Uh, they don't, they don't know. I mean, and I heard this Jordan Peterson one time, and I'm not sure you're, your readers, how they feel about Jordan Peterson, but I found him I think, very I think, insightful I think that's guy. A mixed response, no matter when you bring up Jordan Peterson. Yeah, so it truly I, is. Yeah, you should listen to him. I think it's entertaining. <clears throat> you might agree with some things. You might be a yeah, and you might disagree others, with that's some. That's okay. But yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's but that's, that's what like Canada's Peterson. about. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. We're allowed to have different views. Yes, I think we people are, are forgetting we that. We still be able to talk about it, even if we do. It's, absolutely. Personally, I think it makes for a better conversation. I think it does too. It makes more lively conversation, to say the least. But what, what something you said a couple of years ago, and I've read both his books, that if people are able to open their minds and not worry about how they're going to feed their family and heat their homes, things like that, they can innovate. They can use their brain power to innovate. And when you're worried about how you're going to feed your family in a, in, a, in a hut or in a home that doesn't have energy, that's what your focus is. But if you have access to that, that cheap energy, your mind can get out there and start to work on other problems. And that, I mean, we're people. That's what we do. We try to solve problems. It's just innately in us. Uh, some people more than others, of course, but that's just the way that, it, that, that we work. And I think that in Africa, that's something that we need, we, the world really needs to let them do. Um, is and that's a hot topic right now. COP twenty six talked about it. Uh, the, all uh, and I won't go any further into that because that's probably going to ruffle no, some I, feathers. I, Larry, but I hear what you're saying, and I think we you know we could have a couple. We could have a bunch of episodes on the concept of we talk so aggressively about you know this and that and what's good and what's bad from an energy perspective in North America. Right. But we're doing it from a position of energy abundance, not energy exactly. scarcity. So, that's you know, right. the joke, oh, that's a first world problem. Like, oh, we should just shut that off and only rely on this. Well, you've got a huge amount of people in the world. And I've had a few guests from the sector talk about this. Until we provide abundance to everyone at that level, it's it's a really mismatched conversation that's being had that's without right. always taking every, everyone uh, from a global perspective into, into exactly. consideration. And again, that's a and bunch of other podcasts we could go down, but yeah, I, absolutely. Appreciate, I appreciate your perspective. And yeah, I'm, I, th I think we need energy abundance and that includes renewables, but I think sure. we are a long way off. And some of the studies really show, I, my, my dad they lives do. in rural Ontario and tons of farmland was turned over to solar that are now sitting idle because they're out of date and they don't, and they, they're not cost effective enough to replace the panels. Like that's a Exactly. Real thing, and you see it all over rural Ontario. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's, and it is a big problem. How do we know that the person who isn't going to solve, you know, the COVID issue doesn't live in Africa. If we had access, if you had access to energy, you didn't have to worry about feeding his family, that that brain wasn't the one that was going to solve these issues, these big so worldwide, you know, global concept. issues. Uh, so, to, you know, to your point, it, it, pipelines are going to be, you know, part of our future. Why I was yes. excited to chat with you. It's like, this isn't, I had a conversation the other, the other day about, about risk. Actually, it was a police officer from the UK and he goes, you know, do you know how we mitigate risk of car chases in the UK? We train a whole group of people on pursuit. You know how we mitigate the risk of car chases in North America? We just stopped doing it. He goes, but you didn't remove the problem is that there's a criminal now who's going to want to outrun you in his car. That's right. So he goes, yeah. you know, in the UK, we mitigated the risk. In Canada, we just said, no, don't do that. You know, and that was yeah. his view and he had his own view of being in the police service sure. in those two countries. But I really appreciated the perspective of what I'm hearing from you. We identified a risk and we found a way to mitigate it. We didn't That's go, right. oh, pipelines can be risky. Okay, zero pipelines. It's not a realistic yeah. scenario. It, it isn't. It just really run isn't. away from a risk versus what you guys did is you ran at the risk and said, well, what do we know? Yeah. And what, what's got a 30-year track record over here that's just never... And I love the innovation where you don't... It's a new way of doing it. But when you put the two together... The two on their own weren't new. You just found a new way to apply them. A and new I way really to make them work that together. Story. Yeah, that to me is really powerful. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and it's and it is one of the key focuses of our company. Whenever we talk, uh, and whenever you're able to convince other people to invest millions of dollars in some, in an idea you have, <laughs> and intelligent people, um, it's something to you know to take a lot of 
uh, be very happy about because you know when other the more people that share your vision on this and industry is beginning to really notice what we're doing that's we're talking to some major players right now and uh, the minute we get these pilots in the ground and of course investment all that stuff has to happen it's a massive massive undertaking uh but we're making our way through and it's uh we're not once not one time tyler have in this five-year journey that i've been on not one time has one person said to me that doesn't make any sense or it's not going to work and that's the that's the thing that I take to heart most because I mean I am new to the industry and just because it's a different perspective, right? I mean, and people have tried, you know, different pipe and pipe and all that kind of stuff, the cost, and I mean there's there's issues, there's inherent issues with that when it comes to inline inspection and all that kind of stuff. And our system doesn't limit access to the pipe in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. The system can be opened and closed as much as as much as is needed. It really doesn't make any difference uh, for inspection, hmm, integrity powerful. digs, things like that. So you know, and you can't you can't limit access to infrastructure like that. And above ground crossing now, crossings is something that's very, it's a very, it's a very um, complex issue uh, when you're boring under a river and the impact of that river on the pipeline. Now, when you when you pull a, a system under pull a pipe under a river, there's a thing called vortex induced vibration, and the soil moves away from the, the cover of the pipe. And then there's water running over the pipe and it's impact from stones and all this other yep. kind of thing that can happen. And there's a vortex that's created uh, that really puts a lot of energy on the pipe uh, that, that, and scouring, you know, the soil from the bottom of the river can take the coating off the pipe and then you have instant corrosion. Oh, it's literally getting, I'm not, sandblasted <coughs> isn't the right word, but it's getting essentially that's all that's day right. long. We all, Hey, we all know what ha- water will wear you down no matter what, if you give no it long question. enough, <laughs> it, that's never, right. it and never gives up. It never gives no, up. And it's never going to give up. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. the, you know, we saw what happened in 2010 in Kalamazoo and it wasn't a crossing, but it was a pipe that leaked into a river that was carried for a long ways, $3 billion in damage on that pipeline. We saw it here in the North Saskatchewan in 2015. Uh, you know, there's th- those are big problems. And when you, in- when you impact drinking water, um, that's, you know, for a number of months, three, three communities had to have drinking water shipped in. And I'm not going to mention the pipeline manufacturer, uh, but I'm no, sure but the, we but all know that was. These are the incidences that, that get in the news. These are the incidents that create right. these blanket statements of all pipelines are bad. That's but it. What, right what there. I'm hearing is we need to mitigate the risks that are that are amplified right. because of the, the the conditions that it's in. That's it. Because the environment is construct like nature will wear us all down eventually mm-hmm. if we let it. So you think about it that way. It's it's I, I love the the risk mitigation philosophy versus that yeah. well, we're just going to remove the risk altogether. Well, it's not realistic because that's it not isn't re- the world we live in. And I that's think right. it's so easy to get polarized and be like, well, we're just going to stop at all the switch yeah. doesn't turn off that way but it's the no. ability to innovate and be really clear about why right. we're doing it and make those smart choices it, it's that's it right there is why we need to do this because we're going to need these these pieces of infrastructure for decades to come my kids are going to need them. my grandkids are going to need these yeah. uh, and you know it's very easy to fall under the and you use the right word polarizing it, the environment is polarizing and the fear uh, regardless of how, you know, you or I might feel about, you know, the climate and, and what's happening in the world, and we might have different views on that. Um, you know, we have to, we have to do things better regardless. It's not just about climate and the world, you know, overheating and cooking everyone. Uh, it's about doing things better for the environment in every, in every way that we can. And there's, pro- there's, there's products out there that are helping to mitigate the end use, the carbon capture, all that stuff is all being, and billions of dollars being spent to solve this issue because we simply cannot not use fossil fuels. That is not an option. It's not just about energy. It's about the multitude of products that are used and created by fossil fuels, medications, hospital equipment, roads, all those things. You cannot stop making fossil fuels. It's impossible. Oh, that, that argument. And I like something you, you tapped on to. Yes, we, we all know about, we, we're aware of the climate change conversation, aware of things being done. But if you think of even like the, the, those three communities without drinking water, like that's a yeah. now problem. That's yeah. yes, we need to change. We need to do everything we can to make better choices to stop contributing to maybe this world that the, the road that we're on. And depend, again, depends what your what your beliefs are. Absolutely, but there's nobody's going to say that that knocking out this water supply for these three communities for X amount of years is acceptable on any agenda. No, no, <laughs> so, it's you know, not. Even if you just look at the problem for the immediacy of like, well, geez, if we spend a little bit of money to deal with this crossing situation, which mitigates that huge risk, wow, yeah. that's a huge step forward against the bigger goal, but it stops this immediate impact on exactly. local communities. 
That's right. And it's not just about climate change. It's, that's not the only issue that no, we're, that we're trying get, to deal you with. You can get way more micro on that macro story. Absolutely. It, all, it all works up. But sometimes I think it's so easy to look at that and just go, oh my God, we have to stop in our tracks because it's so overwhelming. It's not right. easy to look at what lever you can pull to fix that problem. But no. to mitigate the risk of that community's water getting contaminated by doing this, that's a lot. That's a shorter timeline. And let's be honest, most corporations are a lot better at planning those shorter like sure they are doing the risk analysis cost That's to right. benefit of a and the risk budget. analysis alone. Yeah. You know yeah. that there is so much money and time spent by industry mm-hmm. to figure out the best route for a pipeline, to the least impactful route for a pipeline. It has to be economic as well. I mean, that's always a part of of everything we do. Economics plays a role, but the industry never and I. And I firmly believe this. I've seen it. And coming from an outside point of view, I look for those things. There isn't one company that I've looked at, researched, or spoken to that that doesn't care about what the impact their infrastructure or their company has. Everybody thinks about it. Everybody does. And you know, a lot of people are are you know they look at the shareholders and push out oh, profit, profit, profit. Those days are over. It's not just about profit anymore, as we're seeing with the the, the, vest, the divestiture of oil and gas from yeah. these massive, you know, I mean, people are pulling back. And this system is one of those ways that can help build confidence again that pipelines, especially new pipelines, I can I can make the statement, Tyler, that systems that have the pipelines that have our system is are not going to impact the environment. They're, they're not, they're either going to be, if it's a mass, I mean, there's very little anybody's going to be able to do about a break in a pipeline due to a heaving, things like that. And there's ways to help mitigate that. But when a pipeline has a, a failure, an absolute failure, catastrophic break, it doesn't matter what you do. The pressure behind that pipe is going to overwhelm any solution, but it's those leaks, those ruptures are, they happen so little. They're like less than 10% of the, of the leaks and pipelines are of that stature. The vast majority, 85, 90% of those leaks are the small leaks that go on for a long period of time that undetected. aren't detected. Undetected. That's right, that are undetected. And in the US, just this year, or last year, they, they, they started a new, um, there's a new regulation uh, that's coming, in, coming into effect in 2022, I believe. There's 400,000 miles of natural gas gathering lines that were previously held to a different standard of regulation that are now being uh, brought into the fold of just the standard regulation of any pipeline uh, under, you know, regulated by FIMSA. And that's 400,000 plus miles of pipeline that need to now be monitored. Um, and now those are the types of steps that are being taken. And natural gas is a different animal than a liquid pipeline. Make no mistake about that. That is a different animal altogether. There's different, uh, the, the different parameters that have to be considered. And our systems are made for both. The, the, a leak in a pipeline, if it can't penetrate the containment system to get into the environment, it's not going to impact the environment. It's going to, the chance of reaching an ignition source are reduced. Uh, there's no escaping into the atmosphere from a natural gas pipeline. Last year in Russia, there was a, I don't think it was the Nord Stream. I think it was a different one. There was a pipeline that had a natural gas leak that leaked two, 2 million tons of emissions into the atmosphere. There was two, or two, two tons per second or two tons per minute. I apologize. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a massive amount. And our system could have collected all that, that leak and held it in that annulus. And we even provide a way to remove gases from inside oh, the containment system. Once you've identified that it's inside. Exactly. That, that once that leak happens, alarm goes off, gets sent right to the operator. They can come out and do a quick inspection. The system will hold the contain, will contain and capture that leak uh, for a period of time. One of the key aspects of it's it's a storage space. Okay, think of it like that. So once that storage space gets filled, depending on the size of the leak, uh, one of two things are going to happen. Uh, it's going to pressurize. It's going to stop that leak. Which some of us who have different views on that, um, but otherwise it's going to it's going to it's going to seep out through the ends and get into the environment. Well, eventually, what are, eventually if you overinflate your balloon, it'll start exactly, to leak. Exactly. Like it's it's going to start right? to leak. It's, it's not going to blow but up. by then, to listen to you understand, but by then you've also received, because I'm, I'm assuming- You know it's leaking. In, in Russia, nobody had any idea because it's out- in No the one middle, had a clue. It's in the middle of nowhere. That's right. And it's just, it's not even, you can't even see it unless you're right there on top of it, right? That's right. It just would have and been that's the issue. to the atmosphere, right? Yeah. Right. With our system, not only is that leak captured and contained, but detection is guaranteed. Our Leak detection in our EnviroLock 2 system, and I get crazy excited about it because I know how it works, and I know it's effective, and I know it will do the job, but our system 
is only two inches larger in diameter than the pipe itself. So leak detection is right there inside an area that wants that leak, a drop of oil will be detected inside this containment system. It's it the the, the leak detection is fiber optic or sensor based. It makes no difference, but it's only two inches away from the pipe and it's not impacted by leaching from the surface. It's not impacted by ground moisture, groundwater uh, that could that could well, bring because, other materials. Because it's isolated, right? Because, because it's, it's, it's isolated the, the from the environment. Stays out and the inside stays in. Exactly. And it don't interact. And that's something that's never that's never been done before. It's, and we're working on a third system now. We filed a patent on a third system. Uh, earlier this year, and it's my. I can't wait to unveil that one, but it's a little early for us to, throw, to start throwing right, pictures well, and images right. around. We got, a, we got a part two episode then. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, no question we'll, we'll about do, it. Do, I'm do, sure do we, we will. Hey, so curious question back to you. <clears throat> you know, we've definitely gone down and geeked out a little bit on kind of what you do yeah. and what we're trying to solve. How's it been from a like? You're running a business. I've been having a lot of people on talking about you know venture capital, early stage, pre-stage, the ability right. to generate money, the gap in Alberta of companies of what could happen here if we had more money floating around. Yeah, to be honest, not that's to play that loosely. Trouble. But you know, for you guys, how has that been? Has this been like a self-funded journey? Have you had like the friends yeah, and family? Well, like what's been happening there? <clears throat> in the beginning, uh, a couple of buddies from back home uh, sent me out uh, a, a bit of investment to get me started. Uh, and then over the course of the first six months of uh, back in design stage, uh, my partner, um, Eric Thompson, he, uh, he invested three quarters of a million dollars in, uh, in the system and, and developing it, and getting it all done. And, and it's always comes down to investment and that's the single biggest hurdle. And right now we're self-funded. Um, that time is, is running out as it does with everyone. There's no, you know, no one has an, uh, an infinite amount of cash. Um, but we are looking for investors and just the other day we were selected for, and I, and I, and I take pride in this, uh, the foresight 50, I'm sure you've seen that floating around. Uh, we were selected as one of the top 50 clean tech companies in Canada, uh, to invest in. So, I mean, that's uh, that's a bit of a badge of honor for me. I've been around the block a bit now in the last five years looking for investment, uh, and we have secured enough to keep us going. Uh, we're doing pilots and things now, and those are, you know, those demand cash, Thank God for Alberta Innovates and such grants and things like that um, that have made it uh, possible for us to get to this point. And uh, Innotech, places like that, It's uh, I'm actually heading to Innotech after this call uh, to talk about some mining um, stuff we're doing with Innotech. So it's uh, it's very exciting. But yeah, it's if, and, and you know, the, the Alberta has always been a hub for innovation. That What we're seeing in the tech growth right now in Alberta is, remarkable. Uh, there's a ridiculous amount of tech firms blowing up in Alberta and that's fantastic. And I wish them all the absolute best. Uh, but when it comes to oil and gas, it's like, it feels like we've had our heyday and uh, it's time, you know, a lot of investors want to move on. Uh, but there is still, you know, people see value in what we're doing. Uh, we get calls all the time, uh, a lot of interest in what we're doing. And once our pilots are done, um, the cost of our shares are going to go substantially through the roof. I'm sure. Well, that's, I'm really glad to hear. And I love, cause of course, every, everyone you from Alberta innovates, like there are things that get mentioned on the show, but to hear that they're doing the job that they're there to do, they're helping yeah, you get no through question. that transition phase. Yeah. You know, you're at the pilot phase now and you know, then there's always the, the infamous first customer, you know, like yeah. somebody well, we got a line on that too. Account. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I we got a line surprised. on that too. And the pilot is going to bring us there. Uh, we want, you know, we want to do four pilots basically and show an install for our system in every, every capacity from natural gas to oil okay. crossings and dropping, you know, a pipe in a, in a river or on a, in a lake, that kind of thing. That, Cause that still happens. So every application of our system, like a muskeg, a wetland, things like that, we have an application for every environment, rocky, uh, slopes, bends, and pipes. It, it makes no difference. And our, and our partner, our manufacturing partner at Anisku, uh, we use robotics for to manufacture our system and the robotics are are absolutely next level and it's such a mm. it's so exciting to be a part of that and and bringing in new technology and our our partners are doing tests with these robotics uh for the u.s navy at the same time so it's it's very, oh, very it's cool. very cool stuff and i'm assuming man. I mean, that's it, like consistency like the quality of the application that's right you're, you're eliminating you're eliminating i'll be <laughs> the human error yeah. they, <laughs> and human error is the cause uh, is for the vast majority of the re 
justifiable reason for our system is a human error. It's, right. it's, you know, we make mistakes. Robots tend to just make mistakes if the humans program them are making mistakes. <laughs> but otherwise, yep. uh, robotics is very effective. And one of the big things with a spray material like this is overspraying waste. Uh, polyurea is ridiculously expensive. It's the number one. Uh, okay, cost so there's for an efficient, there's an efficiency play as well. Like that, yeah, that, ro- that robot pays for itself just in the case it of, does of, of doing exactly what you need done and perfectly every time. Uh, exactly, and okay. consistency, QCAC, yeah. all that stuff. It has to be. It has to be perfect. When you're dealing with oil and gas, there there can be nothing left to question. Uh, and we've been through the regulatory. You know, the played through those loops. We're we're in talks now with CSA, AER, CER, FIMSA. All of them. I mean, that's, <clears throat> and, and we're actually uh, being considered for a study uh, from PRCI in the U.S. next year, which is awesome. I mean, it's uh, what's sorry, what's, what's PRCI? That's I don't. I've never uh, heard that's one. the Pipeline Research Center, International oh, okay. Pipeline yeah, Research okay. Center. So it's it's very cool stuff. Very very knowledgeable folks down there. Uh, there's a, a plethora of companies that 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 submit studies uh, for solutions to different you know different problems with pipelines and we were asked to submit ours for that so we'll know about that soon uh, but you know it's regardless of what happens in those types of things we're going to move forward the system is is a needed thing it does the job very very well and it's going to last the entire life of the pipeline and our system does not require maintenance so it, it's you know unless it's hit by a, an excavator bucket and even in that case once the system and our, our leak detection system uh, is a vibration based system, mm-hmm. acoustics and vapors, all kinds of things we can do with the two leak detection systems that we've chosen. Um, and we can detect if someone's digging around the pipe long before they even get to the pipe. So we can send an alarm that someone's digging in this spot. I mean, and other leak detection systems can do that as well. Yep. Uh, but inside our system, we actually have a physical barrier. So when that excavator bucket goes in the trench, and it makes contact with our containment system. This bright orange material in the sand shows up. Uh, they're going to know. Okay, well, something's going on. You know, maybe I'm digging in the wrong spot. So it's a deterrent as well. And that's the value when it comes to like Africa about the illegal tapping. Uh, I'll put our system up against uh, hand tools just about any day. Uh, you need power tools. You need excavator. You're not going to get through half inch thick polyurea with a box knife or a pair of, uh, you know, even pneumatic scissors, you need some heavy material to get through this. And our leak detection system is going to pick up a shovel in the ground. Hmm. So we're going to detect that. So that's why, you know, we get a lot of contacts going on in Africa and Europe. Um, it's a big problem over there, but see, that's what happens when I get my, when I get talking, just bounce. Oh, but I appreciate it. Cause it, you wrap it all, you know, from an audience perspective, as I'm listening, it's kind of really painting the picture of, you know, how many yeah. different problems you're kind of solving with one from, and, and like, it, that's you, it. you've rolled a lot together, which yeah. you know, obviously exponentially increases the value. And you know, well, if I'm, if I'm looking for vendors now, I can talk to one vendor. I don't have to talk to four vendors. Well, so, you let know, me tell you. and you think about that, that changes the that's dynamic right. of even the, the purchase order process or dealing with procurement Absolutely. on your side. Absolutely. And the, our team is, you know, we have four, there's four of us now. And then our partners who have, you know, 60 man crews uh, that are able to go out and, and install. And they get dozens of years of experience with pipelines, coatings, all this stuff. So, I mean, we've left nothing to chance on this stuff. We have uh, uh, three or four uh, peer reviewed level coding applicators and inspectors. I mean, when this system goes out, it's complete uh, and it's proven and it's not going to have pinholes. There's not going to be leaks in the system. Just the benefits of um, the economics when it comes now. That's the single biggest hurdle when you're trying to sell a new product or of get course. a new product out there. Do, sooner or later, dollars and cents shows up. Dollars and cents are always going to come down. They're all, you know, lots of people love the system, but if it's going to cost them an arm and a leg, yeah. uh, they're not, they're, you know, well, we'll do what, you know, has always been done. And the system does cost money. There is no question about it when you're dealing with things that are made of this size um, and our EnviroLock 1 system, which is, you know, that's our, we have a, our, our demo, our test, we call it the Titanic. It is just this massive structure uh, that's uh, been sitting outside for four years in the environment. And Alberta's environment is 40 to plus 30 yeah. and not a, not a crack, not a, so it's, we know polyurea is very effective for this uh, type of application, but industry is starting to realize that they've, they've got to make a few changes when it comes to this as well. Canada, Alberta desperately needs more pipeline. We just saw Enbridge uh, the other day lose a bid. 
based on capacity for a pipeline heading out. And it's, you know, we have to be able to move our products. So when it comes to our natural gas, natural gas is a renewable gas. I mean, there's that renewable natural gas uh, facilities popping up all over the place. So natural gas is much less, um, has much less of an impact on the environment mm-hmm. than, yep. you know, say coal, things like that. And if the world did trans- transition away from using coal to natural gas, the savings and the impact from emissions would drop substantially. And Canada already, we have uh, the industry, and I can't express this enough, Canada's energy industry is so responsible. It is the top of the food chain. There is no way you can look at this and think otherwise. The U.S. is very close behind. Emissions have uh, dropped substantially over the last 10 years. Uh, so industry is doing what it can. And it, it, for me, it doesn't deserve the hate that it, it provides the lifestyle that we all enjoy. And I, I say this to my kids at the same time. I said, well, you give up your phones. You give up your air-conditioned classrooms. You give up all that stuff. Uh, and go back to to living the way it was when I was in school, uh, and then I can, then you and I can sit down and have a conversation about the climate. <laughs> um, and that's you know, the, and I say that to everyone. I, I really I don't hold that back. I, f- I feel like uh, the oil and gas industry gets a gets a rough uh, rough time of it for everything that it provides. No, it's not perfect. Make no mistake, it, no, it is no. not perfect. But it does it does take responsibility for the most part, at least on this side of the world, for the impact that it has. Cleanups, things like that, are done very very quickly. And, uh, we're, you know, we're doing all we can. And that's the system is the EnviroLock system is just another tool in the in the tool bag for the industry to use uh, as it sees fit. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, as I've made clear, I'm not about risk avoidance. I'm about risk mitigation and I'm also right. about marketing. So what I'm also hearing is, yes, we need pipelines, but we also need a better story about pipelines. And when I hear about that's products right. like yours and why I was excited to have you on the show, because, you know, I do believe, you know, we are incredibly innovative in Alberta and innovation and tech. It's, we tend to talk about it now outside of the oil and gas sector. But when I talk to anybody, they're like, oh, man. You don't even know the half of what we've innovated oh, in this sector. Geez. But when you talk about innovation in Alberta, we tend to look in other directions now because of this unpopular yeah. storyline. So, and yeah, that feels like a whole other podcast. But no, it is. And, it, and there's yeah. <laughs> there's a a multitude of um, new innovations and in tech out there that that has an impact. I mean, from monitoring <clears throat> to IoT, all that stuff is really taking environmental stewardship to a new level. And it's not something that industry is being forced to do. They're doing it willingly. And I think that message has been lost a lot. Uh, they do adopt technologies that make things better. And they do adopt you know, the things that are reducing the impact of their industry. They understand that that's what the world wants. And they're doing their best to, can, to, to make that happen. And I have no doubt that in the near future, next year, uh, 2022, will be a big year for us. And getting the first one in the ground is always the most difficult. Yep. <clears throat> um, but we'll get there. There's no question about it. Well, Larry, thanks for coming on and sharing one, your passion, clearly your passion for oh, the industry. Geez. And I appreciate it because something like this doesn't happen because it's easy and it doesn't have to be oh, because man. you're not doing it for the glory, Larry. You're doing it because you believe yeah, in it and that comes through loud and clear. So totalcontainment.ca, check it out. You guys have a great website. You have lots of information on there. Um, what's yeah. the best way if someone wants to, I know you're on LinkedIn, Larry Young on LinkedIn. Yeah, what's the best way absolutely. for people to get a hold of you, Larry? Hey man, check me out on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a small Facebook presence for Total Containment, and I just started a YouTube page. We're going to show some videos, things like that. Oh, nice, right? Um, Good for you. But but yeah, the more people that know about it, obviously, the the better it is for us. Um, but yeah, I, check out the webpage uh, www.totalcontainment.ca. There's a link directly to my email there, and my phone number is on that page. Uh, I'm willing to share a lot of information. We have our systems patented, so I, I'm, I'm you know I'm out there explaining how they work and uh, anyone has any questions man I'm, i'd love to have a chat I, I could talk about this stuff all day and when i'm when someone else is running my company that's exactly what i'll be doing is talking about this all day because i absolutely love it and it, and it does solve the problem of pipelines in the environment make no mistake about it it does solve that problem Larry, you, you're basically exactly why we started this show was to tell stories about things that amazing things are going on in our province and our city that don't always see the light of day and they need to. So Larry, thanks very much for doing what you do. And thanks for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation, my friend. Uh, I, 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 feel, I feel you and I will be chatting again. <laughs> uh, I have no doubt we will, Tyler. I'm very, thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You have a great show and a lot, a lot of great guests and I'm, I'm tickled to be uh, associated with. Thanks again. Thank you, my friend. It was my pleasure. All right. Cheers. Take care. <laughs>